that as far as you and I are concerned, working podcasts, we are really unlucky. Like we are, we are so unlucky. So we, for a lot of the time we're working in the same sport. Okay. But I don't know, I'll be working ATP, you'll be working WTA or I'll be working radio. You'll be working for World Feed. And even when we found out that we were going to be working on the same competition, same competition, same location, same building. Yes. <laughs> we Our schedules were so different to the point that I think in maybe the three, three or four days I saw you once when you were on air and I stuck my head in the commentary box, much to the surprise of your co-commentator, just to say hello. <laughs> I know. It is It is one of those things. And it was quite funny, actually, because even the person doing the scheduling sent me a message once he sent me through the schedule and was just like, yeah, I do realise you're not on any matches with Shishi. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> I was like, come on, guys. I mean, look, I love working with everybody else as well, but come on, just once in a while would be nice. And we do get right. some time at Wimbledon sometimes together. Yeah. Uh, but 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 it's not it's not masses it's not masses at all and everything else is just no it just seems to be opposite ends of the spectrum but I suppose it's a it's good amazing. thing and it is lucky for the podcast because then we sort of have everything covered you know if in one week you're doing ATP oh, and I'm on WCA or yeah. you're doing the morning matches I'm doing the evening do you know what I mean we sort of we're across it all so that's good but, but, um, but okay, just in so terms of our well, social life and general catch-up gossip etc <laughs> It's and the downside annoying. to that, though, is we've got loads to talk about on the podcast, but the downside is we don't get to record the podcast. Well, <laughs> yes. Because the flip side to us working on different time zones in different places and different locations is, and with children, is that we can't. We were actually just having a little chat, and it was a really brief chat because you're currently working on the tour finals. I am, yes. Um, I've got a little one who's who's not so well and, and we're going away tomorrow. So sort of lots of things to sort out. But it, it's the juggle. And I know a lot of people, it doesn't matter male or female, but who have children will realise that the juggle and whatever job you do is is real. And it's it's difficult, isn't it? Just because it might be a stage when we're not working. But when you've got little ones, there's those considerations to take into. There's childcare. It's, uh, it's, it, it doesn't get any easier, does it? Yeah, in tennis, unlike anything else, I feel like in the world, um, you just don't know when there's an end point. You just don't. You don't know what time you finish. If there are four, five so in Paris Masters, six matches a day. I mean, you know, you know, Ben asks, "What time are you coming home?" And I'm like, "I can give you an eight-hour window." That's basically, if I'm being realistic, that is basically the best I can do. Uh, So we've now got into quite a good routine of where I just tell him the worst case scenario. But then you've got to obviously, not Paris Masters, but in general, the worst case scenario is rain. And then who knows? You could be there for two days. (laughs) You could not come home at all. They could wake up in the morning and you're still not home. But (laughs) barring rain. So I always say, barring any rain, the worst the worst case scenario is this time I'll be home and then but, I, I come home. But, you, but, you just surprise. Think, but recently the Billie Jean King Cup finals. So I was based at home. Um, other half, he was away with work. So a lovely lady who was helping out. She's like, well, what kind of time? I, can't, I knew I was doing the first session. So I knew a start time. So it was pretty early, but I said, okay. That's like, already is, pretty good for tennis, to be honest. That's, because if you're fourth yeah. match on, I mean, who you don't even know what oh, time to I get mean, to work. What do you, how do you even know? You've got I a mean, five hour window know. of what time you might start work, let alone <laughs> <they> finish. <laughs> I don't know when I'm going to come. And it, with the Billie Jean King Cup, you have two singles and a doubles. So I think on one of the days, I think, I was doing two singles. It was over in 
two and a half hours. I was like, oh, okay, wow, that's really early. Another day, I think we had one of our, it was a tie. I think it was Switzerland. I might be making it up now. It already feels a long time ago. It was eight hours, eight or eight or nine hours. Yep. That, so you're sort of saying, so I'm aiming to be back here, but I think it might not be here. And it could be here, but it might be there. So as well as trying to get my parking, because that runs out, because you, you do a kind of, yes. you know. So I'm sort of on the app, sort of adding on, or adding more money to the parking app. And then I'm texting. <laughs> Missing break points. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what happened? Sorry. Just trying to make sure my car's still on. I do have another half an hour on the meter, though. And then I'm sending other messages going, oh, is it possible? Could you do the dinner or the bath or not go back? It's, it's just the... Yeah, I mean, sometimes it easier it is easier, isn't it, to be on site because yeah. So uh, not essentially to record the podcast, but in some ways because you think right, that's all I have to focus on. That's what I'm going to do. It's when you're doing the and and you're doing it this week. I did it last week. The based at home with the kind of family stuff and yeah, with a sport that has has no end time. It could yeah. yeah I, I make the fatal mistake it? and and and. There was a, we did a podcast, I think it was over a year ago now, we were talking about superstitions and I'm so yeah. anti-superstitious that I almost become superstitious yeah, in the other way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I don't get as in, like I'll, if, if it's a set and 4-1 or something, I'll say, oh, look, looks like a quick one. And everyone's like, oh, you've done it now. That's it. You know, not on air. I wouldn't say that on air, but you know, just to, I don't, I don't know, somebody who I'm, who I'm working with be like, oh, this has been quick. And they'll be like, oh, you've done it now. It's going to be six and a third. But I don't really buy into any of that nonsense. But I do make the fatal mistake of um, texting home when it's sort of like a set and five one. I did this in Paris, oh, actually, no. and say, it looks like oh, I'm oh. going to be done soon. I'll let you know when I leave. And then before you know it, it's five. Never, all. never send that. Never send and that. And then I go, I think oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. And then all but I can do is blame are... the player. That's all I can do. But the bloody there are, the cer- there are certain players, aren't there? I remember not so recently when Dominic team was playing regular. I mean, he played every day of every tournament possible, didn't he? But you knew if Dominic Team was last on, say, the centre court schedule, he'd probably get to a set and a break up and then he'd win it in the tie break in the third. And so, you know, that there are some players you knew. There was a player recently, um, Elise Mertens, Billie Jean King Cup. Now, unfortunately for Elise Mertens, who'd come from the tour finals in Fort Worth, she eventually had to, to pull out with a shoulder problem. But I remember saying to my colleague I was working with, I said, this is probably going to be a set and a break for Mertens and then it's going to get tricky. <laughs> she has a set and a break up. It then got tricky. And he was looking at me going, how did you know? Well, I've seen, seen a lot of Elise Mertens. And unfortunately, in the end, she had to withdraw injured. But, but you know, that there are some players when when you know that it might look comfortable. And then Billie Jean King Cup final, it's different because it's team and some, it's just, no, it's, it's an impossible, sometimes it, while being on site means you're not with your family and that brings other challenges and you don't want to be away too much when you are based at home you can say yeah I'm I'm here but you're kind of not really and then you don't know when you're going to be back and it's a funny old sport isn't it because as you say you you can't you can't plan anything around it yeah there's an element of it sort of organized chaos to a, a certain extent I think anybody who's worked behind <laughs> the element. scenes completely if anyone's worked behind the scenes at a tournament you know it's not just commentators there's an awful lot of people who are on site for yeah. a really 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 long time and we have these ludicrous finishes that you don't get in any other sport because why would you why would you why would you do that why would you do that to your athletes why would you do it to your <laughs> I just don't know uh, but we do and uh, yeah so I mean there's a, there's a 
lot of elements. So it's definitely a, a wonderful job. And I think we should clarify, we both absolutely love our love job. It. <laughs> it's so good. But it would be, if we could just have 20% more sort of uh, clarity over you know just the general logistics of the day just an idea it would be nice but that's just not how it works you know it's not how it works and you've got to embrace it otherwise you're just gonna get wound up and it's weird we sort of love it for that reason as well as much as it can be frustrating if there's the old juggle going you know when you go into these tournaments and you're on site and, and a little bit with paddle i'm working in now it's best of three tie break sets and yes they're they're largely quicker sets with the way the game is played but you can have, I think the final of the World Championships recently was um, best of three best of three matches. And obviously they played doubles all the way through. So three doubles, best of three. It went off for nearly nine hours. You yeah. know, so it's, but I think when you, I think you and I are the same. There's the, the desperately sort of, you know, they say the duck, it looks serene on top, but its legs are going crazy under the water. I feel that you and I are a little bit like that in the sense that there's a lot going on around to kind of like one of the first things when we were messaging each other today, finally getting the chance to record, you were like, okay, I'm gonna have to be quick. And when it's done, I got to go. And I was like, yeah, I got to go too. And I'm going <laughs> to be off. But we, as I say, that there's that desperate sort of paddling under the water. Um, but we're really lucky and the opportunities and the chances we, and we love the sport. And I, and I think that's a sign there isn't, I think, I think you've got to love it. I, it doesn't matter what you're doing, what sport you're working in. Um, you know, we love it. We know it, it could, it could last and, it does last and and that's why we love it so yes the juggling the juggling will continue you are on the tour finals I as am. we record this at the moment what what would you like to report from the tour finals oh, in Turin well, and how that's we're going. over halfway it's been it's been good yeah. i'm actually just uh, i'm on the doubles um yeah uh, lovely in uh, in turin um but yeah it's been it's been fascinating i was really interested and i've been looking through all of the different sort of, sort of social media content that's come out around this event um i mean well firstly we should say casper rude playing brilliantly well absolute star yeah um yeah. and it's rude against rafa in a and actually it's going to start as we record it's going to start in about four minutes time uh so uh, that'll be fun uh but um all of the social media content they did this did you see the interview where there was the, the, all eight of them sat around and they sort of asked these questions to each other <laughs> and I felt like it was so uncomfortable. Um, oh no, I didn't see that. Yeah, okay. so all eight of them sat around and they had these cards and they were asking questions like, you know, what do you admire about these champions? You know, do you get nervous and stuff? <laughs> poor poor Rublev. They were asking each other. Was there someone asking yeah. the questions or are they asking each other? No, they were reading them out sort of to each other. Right, okay, but yeah. You know, they were, it, I don't know, it was a bit of an in-betweeny type thing. It's definitely well worth watching because I, I found it quite fascinating. And uh, it was great actually hearing what Medvedev said about uh, Djokovic and Nadal, about how great champions they are and how inspirational. And actually, Rublev came up with such a great answer. And I mean, even Novak just went, that's a great answer. Everybody was nodding their heads. I mean, he was, he was trying to explain, um, you know, about how, just talking about nerves, <laughs> Um, and, you know, yep. it was, oh, do you, did you, or, or I think the question was sort of who in the room did you get really nervous against? Rublev was like, I'm nervous right now. I'm nervous in every match I play. It doesn't matter who I'm playing. We'll be playing the guy ranked 800. I'm nervous, which just really summed him up, which I thought was quite sweet. Um, but he was saying, but, you know, but that's why we play the sport, you know, when you're, and he described it in this way. And, uh, you know, he was, he did really well as well. You know, this is obviously English in his second, English is a second language. And he was saying that, um, 
you know, the, the moments that we live for are the moments where you think you can't do it. You think there's no way out of this situation. I can't get there. You're scared. You know, you think you're going to lose. Uh, and then you do and you manage to overcome it. You manage to find a way through. You manage, you manage to, to do that. And it just had everybody, all, all eight of them, well, the other seven, all of them just really just nodding their heads, being like, yeah, that's exactly right. And as I say, Djokovic afterwards was like, that is a brilliant answer. That's, you know, you've, and he was like, I'm sorry. I, I was, I was, I know what I'm trying to say, but everyone was like, no, we all totally get it. Uh, and that's, that's what they're sort of addicted to. That's what they absolutely love about the sport. So it was really fascinating, I think, to see them, them chatting, but there was an uncomfortable element to it, I must say, because <laughs> they don't hang out together. They don't socialise. They have their own teams that they, they chat with. They're perfectly well, it's friendly. It's a generational mix. It's a generational mix as well. Exactly. Exactly. You know, that's just it. Felix doesn't hang out with 30-somethings. It's ridiculous. Um, but, you know, it... Um, yeah, that, that's what was fascinating. And they were sort of asked about being friends. Can rivals be friends on on the tour? And uh, I think Felix came up with a very diplomatic answer of, well, we are all very friendly to each other. But, you know, then apart from, you know, obviously in that group, you've got Medvedev and Rublev. They probably hang out, you know, because, you know, they do as, as Russian players and the Americans as well. You know, you've got some buddy groups, but in terms of the top rivals, I mean, maybe the exception of Nadal and, and Federer, um, they don't, I don't think they really chat that much. They just see each other around and they're perfectly respectful, very nice. You know, nobody's rude to each other. Um, but really, they just get on with business. Might be a comment here on there. A good job, well done, congratulations, Carlos. You're world number one, uh, or whatever. But uh, yes, yeah, so it was quite funny because they were asked that question if they were friends, but they, it was a bit of a weird one, you know, because they're not really friends, but they're friendly, which I think I think is fair enough because they also have to go out there and want to beat each other and get the better of the other and again it's such a mix of ages and personalities that you're not going to be best friends with every I mean you know we've now seen Nadal and Federer holding hands and getting very emotional with each other at the Labour Cup so but maybe at the height of things they weren't as close as as they are now it's it's a it's a tricky one isn't it I don't know can you be the best friends with I mean you'll know this better than me but can you be best friends with someone then go out on the court and and have that desire and, and and will to beat them? I personally couldn't. But I would say that the, the top of the WTA is is proving that a little bit wrong. It's felt like that's not been possible for yeah. a number of years. Mm. Um, and you do see that, that players become friends after they, they finish, when their career is is over. They become friends off the court. They have so, so much in common. You even talk about that. You know, I mentioned that um, uh, uh, answer from Rublev. And how everybody's just connecting with. Before it even really got to the point, they all knew what he was trying to say, and they were all like, "Yes, exactly. That's exactly what we all do it for." Um, so you know, you can see that the connection is 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 going to be there. But I personally never never could do it, and I think that it's a really difficult thing to to do. But as you as I was saying, like the WTA, I mean, they they just seem more like complete best buddies. Yeah, they do. Oh, Caroline Garcia, champion of the more. I mean, this is. It's, it, oh we yeah, got it. come but, on! But can I just say we got it completely wrong? We went, we went for who we would like to win, and then who we thought would win. And Garcia did not come up from either of us. Nothing against Garcia, but in terms of we were putting our kind of favourites. I said I'd love Sabalenka to win, and we both thought Shvianto could win, and then Garcia wins the whole thing. Well, Sabalenka did well though. Very she well. did. Had a, she had a great week. She played really, really well. Yeah. I picked Goff. 
did not go well. Um, you know, but you know what? It's really tough when it, when it's your first year in that. Because let's not remember, let's not forget that it's not Garcia's first year. It might be first year for a while, but she's been yeah, there before. Yeah, yeah. When it's your first year, and we see this with the, the men's and women's when it comes to that. Um, the, the final eight, the, the ATP finals, WTA finals, uh, it can be really overwhelming the first time you play. I mean, Medvedev, the first time he played in ATP finals, he, he lost every match. And then the next year he won it. Um, so it, it's uh, it's not unexpected, I think, from, from somebody like Goff uh, that it, it went the way that it, it went for her. And, and huge pressure playing singles and doubles. Come on. I mean, no one really does that. <laughs> Apart from Jessica Pagula. <laughs> well, yeah, apart from um, her partner. <laughs> but it's also the stage of the season and the, you know, the amount of tennis in their legs at that point. And as you say, the pressure at that stage. I mean, it must be quite overwhelming. I don't know, to a degree. There's, you know, you've gone through everything you've gone through. You've achieved. There's all that emotion and everything for actually achieving getting there. And then you've got to get there and perform once again. And surely at some point, your body mentally and physically just says... I'm sort of done now because we are very, very deep into... Look, we're going to start seeing the, the Maldives pitches soon with that close yes. to the end of the season. If you're in the Maldives, get ready. They're coming. I think I've seen Isla Tomljanovic in Morocco. So she went from Billie Jean King Cup finals because they retained the number one ranking, but they lost out to Switzerland. I was really happy for Switzerland. You felt, of course, every nation goes there to win it. But there was just something from both of those teams' squads in the pre-tournament press conferences. Switzerland were obviously burnt by losing in the final last year. So they had that desire. They were so close. And and Australia, Alicia Mollick, everything she was saying, Mollick, coming into it, you just felt that these were the two that had... I, I don't really know how... Do you know what I mean? I, I'm not saying they wanted it more than others and I'm not saying they worked harder than others, but they just felt something different about these two squads in terms of this being a priority and wanting to win it. Yeah, no, I, I know exactly what you mean. And sometimes you can tell by the way people talk going into it. I mean, they they seemed really locked in um, for sure. I think that uh, you know, with Switzerland coming so close last year, I think that probably just boosted the confidence of them thinking, yeah, we can definitely do this with this team. Yeah. We can do it. Like, we can yeah. absolutely get there. Um, and I think for Australia, they've always had that team... Um, that that team bond and relationship. I mean, Storm Sanders was just you know playing ridiculously well. Wow. I mean, why she stopped playing singles so early? I have no idea. I remember because I was playing some challenges and she was playing singles and she was looking really really good. Uh, and then I think she had a very small injury and she came back and was very much focused on the dubs. And um, looks very successful with the dubs. <laughs> don't get me wrong. Um, but yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean, she's she clearly plays at a top fifty singles level, but. Um, doesn't want to play singles, I guess. <laughs> really, well, she or said, not really focus on she, it. Well, she said that this year, this, this, the scheduling, and I was talking to Mel South, who I was commentating a lot with, and she said the difficulty can be, and I hadn't really thought about this, but my brain is not wired like Mel's or yours in terms of actually being out there in that juggle. But then if you're going deep in a doubles, you then miss the start of the qualifying for the singles. And if you've got to go through qualifying in the singles, so in a sense, you're always playing catch-up so you're, you're finals of a doubles tournament by the time you get to the next place you've missed the qualifying you've missed the entry so you miss out on getting and then the ranking drops low and it becomes it sounds like a, a, a vicious circle it's a big problem and even if you're in the main draw of singles so say your singles ranking is higher yeah. 
um, and you're reaching the end of each tournament. I mean, it's exhausting because you're often changing time zones, so you don't have time to to sort out your jet lag before you're playing your first singles match. It is very, very difficult to prioritise both. The only real way to do it is to do what Goff and Pagula have done and just win everything and be in the top 10 or top 5 of everything, and then it's fine, um, like Craig Chikova did as well. Um, but it, it is it's very difficult if your singles lags behind your doubles the pressure is huge to try and make a decision because it makes your weeks on the road so long. Um, you know, every tournament is is so so long. You know, you have some players, um, you know, like they might be playing qualifying in in singles for a slam and then playing the dubs and going deep in the doubles. You know, you could be there for three weeks plus prep. That's like a month you're at the US Open for. <laughs> it's just ridiculously long. So, um, you know, that really takes its toll. Um, you know, you're not quite fresh going into your, your singles matches. I don't know. There's all different sorts of uh, of issues around it um, without question. But um, Storm was absolutely brilliant. I mean, she just looked like she was having a whale of a time and just... Yeah, I, I wasn't surprised she could play that level because I feel like I've seen it from her before. Um, was, yeah, so it was so good. To see, I, she's she. By the time some people listen to, she's getting married this week. But as I say, by the time people listen, she's congratulations. So she was she was heading back to her wedding. So congratulations to her. And we we must talk about Team GB because that was I was wow. phenomenal. Yeah. It, wow. It, yeah wow it was like let's be let's be honest like i mean and i'll be honest because you know a bunch of the team gb people are my friends you know i'm very yep. very good friends with harriet dart with anki othfong the captain amongst others on the team as well but let's be honest that team was out of their depth they've already lost once in the competition and they get in because gb have have hosted the event which is fantastic and completely understandable with the rules um but it was just when you looked at it on paper, and it just was pretty extraordinary. Now they did luck out; they were in, uh, they were not in the group of death, which I spent a long, a long time covering, which I was awarding to the group of the USA, Poland, and Czech Republic, which is just like an <laughs> unbelievable group. Yeah, yeah. Of uh, so they they did luck out in in a sense. However, the the performances from them, and we talked about Storm Sanders, who played far far and above her experience uh, and level in singles um you know but for for the for team gb i think particularly the doubles players who um have had a fabulous year they've been really chipping away getting better and better and excuse me sorry i'm <laughs> sorry They've been getting better and better. Sorry, a bit gassy at the moment. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm drinking a Coke Zero, if you can see. So it's oh, probably see, that's very... not a good, that's not a no. sensible thing to drink while recording. I know, fizzy, fizzy drinks You're and microphones. All sorts not of ideal. noises coming from you. <laughs> not ideal. I've got a few hours before I'm back on air properly, so I'll just subject the podcast listeners to this instead. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no team gb i mean absolutely phenomenal from them really um as i say you know big shout out olivia nichols and, and alicia barnett it is not easy to really for the first time be on a stage like that with the pressure of the team and to just be able to produce your best tennis day after day after day and uh you know when we were looking at the pairs they were playing against i was thinking Okay, and they played against Spain. I was like, actually, they've got a good chance against this Spanish pair because, you know, they are a strong doubles pair. And then, you know, taking on, you know, Australia, um, and it was uh, Storm Sanders and Sam Stozer. I was like, okay, well, this is a oh, different level. Yeah. This is a different so level. Close. And I was like, can they compete? Of course they could compete. They were right there with them to the very end. And I know it was so heartbreaking. And, uh, you know, really in that 
in that semi-final, was it, was it, there was a set point, set point in the first set with a yeah. comfortable volley that was missed by Barnett. And a, anyway, anyway, it was absolutely heartbreaking, but it was a phenomenal effort. And uh, yeah, yeah, hugely proud. I cannot believe what they were able to achieve uh, when you just look at the team we had on paper in comparison to everybody else. But that's what Billie Jean King Cup does. That's what it does. Yeah. You get your team, you get the crowd behind you and off you go. And we talked about this before, haven't we? That some players rise to the occasion, love being in that situation. Others feel the pressure, maybe shy away from it a bit. But Storm Sanders, an example there of stepping up. Heather Watson with how she played when she came. And I know she would then lose in the semi-final to Storm Sanders. But Harriet Dart against Isla Tomlianovic. I think I said wow about 10 times during that performance alone. Awesome. She was awesome. So good. And it really suits her down to the ground as well. As I say, I know Harriet well, you know, number one for the team, leading the country out. That's where she thrives. And I think we saw every bit of it. I have to say, it was all in all, it was it was a wonderful competition. I thought it was fantastic. I think Great Britain have got France in the qualifying competition next year. Is that right? Unless yep. they were to host again or whoever hosts doesn't have to go through the qualifying competition. And Switzerland, Australia, they qualify automatically. And for the first time, they had jackets. They rewarded, what? they rewarded jackets at the end. Did you not see? What do you mean? What, so team the winning, GB? No, the winning team, Switzerland. Oh, oh, right. Okay, fine. Yes. The yes. winners, the winners jacket. The winners. We, we see it in golf at the Masters at Augusta, the green jacket that's handed over. And it's the first time professional female athletes have been, athletes have been awarded something similar. So they had, the, it was Billy Blue, the colour that Billie Jean King favour when she was playing she presented it to the Heinz Guntart got one as well and they all had their Billy Blue jackets so it was it, it was it was a lovely end to the tournament I know for some players they found it tricky with sort of injury and tiredness having made their way over from Fort Worth but I thought it was um yeah I thought it was I thought it was great there was a lot of fun moments in that and Team GB I mean wow that was that was amazing. But it it sort of makes it more exciting, though, that uh, and I'm not saying it's the right thing to do, have the players coming from Fort Worth and, and getting there in such double quick time, because you did. You had a very tired Bedosa. You had a very tired Goff. Um, Krachikova you know, got injured. So Krachikova was play. injured. Um, Mertens. Yeah, so it, it was. It was. Look, it was really tough for everybody, um, but it then means it's really up for grabs, doesn't it, <laughs> for everybody else who's not knackered. <laughs> well, I think that's what, like the Swiss team, and had Belinda Bencic just missed out in terms of the race. She was just, she wasn't an alternate. She just missed out, which sad for her because she had such a great season. But then a bonus for Heinz Guntart because he had his team together, and that was the same with Australia. They, you had that little. I remember um, uh, Petter Paller, the the Czech Billie Jean King Cup captain, um, at their pre-tournament press conference. He said, uh, they said, oh, uh, when will uh, Krachikova and Siniaka arrive? Because obviously they were in the final of the WTO finals. Uh, so it looked a little bit threadbare, their team. And he said, no, no, this is looking good. He said, uh, Marketa von Drusheva had been playing a tournament the week before and won it. He said, yesterday, I only had two people. <laughs> he said, I was a little bit concerned yesterday. He said, so this is progress. I have three and hopefully the other two are going to arrive soon. So there was that. And then I guess you have to judge. Are they they might say they're okay to play. Are they? And it's it's oh look, we're going back to the juggle. The juggle is real <laughs> it's in terms of how they could and when they would. But it's you know it's great. And and Caroline Garcia, by the way, won in Fort Worth, and a few days later was back in qualifying action for France. Yeah, 
impressive. And that's a tough draw for GB next year. Yeah, France. They get to choose the venue, though. GB do. Yeah. Yeah, so, so it's are. not going to be on clay. I can tell you that for free. It's not going to be on clay. So they <laughs> we, don't have any, we don't have any clay in Great Britain anyway. <laughs> Which is why it's not going to be on clay. So they, they got the nod. But no, I thought absolutely lovely competition. It was lovely to see you for those five minutes when I disturbed your commentary and came in and, and waved and then left. So, I mean, it was, it was brief. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Big news, the other big news, Novak Djokovic is going to Australia. It's all now official. Um, everything's been overturned. Everything's fine. And he can go back there and he could possibly level up with Nadal if he were to go and win it. That is where he's won his most Grand Slam titles. Do you, do you think there'll be any kind of reaction from the people of Australia to him going back after everything that went on? Or do you think, it's, do you think they've probably done this because they've kind of read the room, as it were, and they feel that it's fine and time has passed? A small one. There'll be a minority of people, but I don't really think um, that it will be too much of a problem at all, to be honest. But uh, yeah, I think it was quite expected, wasn't it? We've talked about it a couple of times in the pod saying we expect it to be overturned. It's just about when. Nice for Djokovic that it's been overturned quite early. So he's just got that relief. (laughs) For all of us as well. We're definitely more important than Djokovic. For us, the Australian Open is going ahead regardless of whether he's playing or not. But um, for him, so he can plan better. You know, he obviously wants to be there. He's a nine-time champion. It's absolutely huge. I mean, what he's achieved this year is just... It's bonkers. And I know that he's done an awful lot of it to himself, but he did not compete in tournaments worth 10,500 points. Plus the slam he won was worth zero. So you can add an, another 2,000, or maybe the 2,000's already wrapped into that. But all of the Masters, because he didn't play in Indian Wells, in my, well, Australia, Indian Wells, Miami, Wimbledon, then you've Cincinnati. got Cincy, Montreal, um, US Open... It is a huge amount. And the fact that he still qualified on points. I know he would have got in anyway because he won Wimbledon. But he qualified on points. It's incredible, isn't it? For the ATP Tour Finals. It's just absolutely ridiculous, honestly. I, I think we just, said this in the pod last week. That for us, yes, Carlos Alcaraz at that point looked like he would end up being number one. Now it's been confirmed he is year-end number one. But Novak Djokovic is the best player. Well, we said this before, he's the best yeah. player in the world at the moment. Yes, he's a favourite to win this tournament. Well, I mean, yeah. Carlos isn't playing, to be fair. But, uh, you know, he's he's a favourite to win everything he plays, I think. It just, yeah. Yeah, it just, yeah, madness. It reminded me of the time, and again, I'll have to head into my loose facts a little bit, but um, quite a few years ago when Serena, wasn't she number one based off like three tournaments, three point scoring events? Oh, yes. I think she had played five, but I think the other two she'd played had been Billie Jean King Cup and um, the Olympics, which are not scoring, not point scoring. Yeah. And three of them, I think she'd won two slams and she was number one in the world um, based on, like, I mean, <laughs> literally barely playing. And uh, for Djokovic, I mean, I know he won Wimbledon, but if you take that away because it's zero points, you know, what else he was uh, was able to achieve? It just, yeah, I mean, absolutely 
ridiculous. Ridiculous I, that he qualifies. And you've got like Rublev like busting himself to try and squeeze <laughs> that last position. You know, squeezing every match in a 250 possibly can. You know, 20 points away. Just one thing, absolutely when sensational. Rublev came through and beat Medvedev in the group, I thought that's brilliant. He's always had difficulty, especially playing fellow Russians and not getting the results, especially against Medvedev. But I don't know what to think about Medvedev from this year. And I don't know what to think about Medvedev going into 2023. I know there was a slight injury this year and he became a dad. And those things are life-changing. You know, however much help or whatever's done, these things do change lots of different things. But I don't really know what to think about Medvedev going into 2023 because others have made great leaps this year. Djokovic is still at the top of his game. I, I don't. Where are you with Medvedev? Are you? I, I just don't know what. If if someone said, I don't know, predict your winners for next year. I don't know. I don't know what or if I'm giving anything to Medvedev right now. At, at the Grand Slams. Yeah, I mean, look, he's he's yeah, and and I I, I get that. I mean, he's in yeah. a bit of a plateau, isn't he? Really, um, which happens, and it happens to players at all different levels. Sometimes it's better when the plateau happens when you get to sort of like twenty-ish. You get stuck for a bit. If you look at say an Oje Aliassime. Yeah got sort of stuck in around that 10 to 20 mark for a while but getting stuck is not always a problem it gives you room to develop and improve your game to improve your mentality you're so laser focused on trying to improve Uh, when you race all the way up to the top five or number one like Carlos has you know sometimes you can forget about things you you can you can leave things because actually you know, it's, it's not bothering me at the moment whether it's something technical or physical or whatever it is you know, you're not searching for every one percent because everything's fine and moving in the right direction so I think he's just having that bit of a plateau I mean he did he did have like a, you know a, a phenomenal time of it but yeah it's been a I think it's been a, a little bit more difficult for him of course life-changing with um with his uh, baby being born, but I don't think that will have impacted him that much. Um, obviously, it has in his life. But I'm sorry, I'm talking about his tennis. <laughs> we don't care about people's life and well-being, only about their forehands and backhands. Um, no, I don't think it would have impacted him that much, but I think it's just been one of those years where it's just a just a solid year. He's 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 been absolutely fine, but no, he's not. He's not. At Were his you best. surprised uh, as we speak? Nadal and Rude is just underway. Nadal to this point winless. Are you surprised that Nadal came back and played the Tour Finals? And why do you think he did come back? Because he talks about there was a chance he could have finished number one. He's always talked about that's not important. Da, 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 da. So were you surprised he played? And why do you think? He did play the two. And he's had another life-changing. His son's been born. We know he's been trying to figure out the body. So, And I'm not saying it's the wrong decision because he's winless through two. He could still end with a win. But did it surprise you that he put himself forward for it? Firstly, can I say that year-end number one always matters, I think, to whoever it is, particularly well, tell him that. And we No, no, no. We, I just don't think he's being completely truthful with that because we have seen him do an awful lot to get to that world number one year-end ranking uh, and sometimes sacrifice the tour finals. I think there was one where he played in Paris quite injured just because he knew if he just made the quarters there, I think it was, yes, that he would yes, have enough yes, points yes. to finish yep. at world number one and then he was toast for the rest of the season. But he just pushed that little bit to guarantee it and he will probably say it was nothing to do with that I was just playing match by match you know all the nonsense they come out with but I don't believe it personally um I do think world number one is is really important I don't think it was a factor of him coming here because he said at Paris after when he lost early in Paris he said you know if I go to Turin I'll be going there not fully fit 
So you can't secure the world number one in this sort of field if you're not fully fit, even if you're Rafa Nadal. Like, you just can't. I mean, he's significantly not fully fit. Um, so, yeah, I don't think that was a factor. I, I was surprised a little bit that he came. I'm absolutely surprised that we're seeing him right in front of me now playing his third match of the week because we have seen him before play a match and pull out because the body's not held yeah, up. Yeah, I thought yeah. that might be on the cards. Not planned, but it just might end up that way. Um, so, yeah, I'm not... Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what he's doing. If he's not 100% fit, I, I don't know why he's here. I, I, I don't. It's is the he, end of a very long he, season. No idea. Is he due to be playing Davis Cup? Uh, oh, is he on the... Is he on the listed team? Um... Well, Alcaraz has counted himself out, hasn't he? So all of a sudden, the uh, the Spanish Spanish bench is getting a bit of a call up. So I don't know, but I mean, I can't see that he would go and play Davis Cup. Like as I say, he's not. He, it's not even like oh, he's got a bit of a niggle. He's way, way off being a hundred percent fit, and and he knows it. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe he just wants to challenge himself, test himself. Yeah, who knows? He's got his reasons. Because you'd think he just wants as much time as possible in the off season. Firstly, because he's a new dad got a new family and be to prepare for the start of the year if 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 his scheduling is now to target you know he will of course go and target Australia. there's we've got the united cup that starts off the season the new competition similar to the hotman cup it it's mixed the entry lists are in he's going to be targeting australia then he can get onto the clay and he can through through to roland garros but it, it's i don't know I, I just found it surprising that he he went to paris and he's going to play the tour finals that he didn't need to and because he always tells us that things like number one isn't important but and I too no I agree with you he's got every reason this year to not to play not in these play events because of what he's already and done and he hasn't played in these events a number of times before so mm. yeah I mean it wasn't like he was going to come here and win this like he said that before coming in he was like I don't have I won't be fully fit I won't be able to do it so yeah I, I don't know look he must have very strong reasons because he's got a three four or however many week old baby um, who's actually here, I believe. Um, uh, you know, so the family have travelled, but as in you've you've got every reason to just go. Do you know what season done? Done pretty well. Happy with that. Couple of slams on the board. Yeah. Oh, no. Look, it was phenomenal. Uh, but again, a little bit like Medvedev. I'm not sure what to expect from Nadal. Hey, look, we'll expect a hundred percent. He will give a hundred percent, but I'm not sure how that's going to reflect in terms of results when we get into the new year. Djokovic, yes, he will be my favourite for Australia. He will depending what Nadal's in the early stages, he'll probably be my favourite for Roland Garros, and I'll probably take it for Wimbledon as well, and then roll him into the US Open if he can play. It's, you know, I think Djokovic is still playing at an extraordinary level, and and maybe not playing... Stupid. And not playing... Those... He said, he said that his second set against Rublev's, Rublev was flawless. Wow. And I he's... mean, that's not really very fair on and, poor old Andre, But you know what, it? maybe, and we talked about this during lockdown... The, the tournaments he hasn't played is not a bad thing. As you get older, to have that rest, it's not rest he wanted. But in terms of longevity, just having that little bit of time when he couldn't play, didn't play, maybe it's not so, such a... No, look, I think it's... Um, I know it's too early for us to be looking ahead to to the, to the new season. We haven't even finished this one yet. But I think it's really interesting. I think the women's side has never been more interesting in terms of the rivalries that we've got and the players stepping up. I think the men's, the new generation have firmly, fully arrived and are challenging in a serious way. So, look, I think next year is going to be very, very exciting. 
Uh, I won't start getting your predictions for the Australian Open <laughs> just yet. Um, I've still got, you've still got a little bit of tennis to go this season. I've got some paddle tournaments. We've got a last couple of the Premier Paddle season to come, which is going to be exciting. Uh, we've got the World Cup going. Is, is there? I know there's lots of issues. Oh, yeah. With in terms of for people where the World Cup is being held, but has that gripped your? We did the we did a family sweepstake last night um, with 32 teams. We only met. How the, did you do? Well, we, the boys only had to put in. So a, is this is this picking out of a hat? Yeah. So sweepstake. Right, sweepstake. Okay, Adults had to put in five pounds, and we got three teams because there's. We divided up with how many people were there. The boys only had to put a pound from their money boxes in because I was a bit harsh asking them to put in a fiver. <laughs> get, them, get them on the gambling get early. Me. Oh, it's a shame you've lost all your money. And, oh, that's a shame. <laughs> so did we do well? Uh, I had a mixed bag. I'm not going to win it, but we've got money first, second, third. I have Denmark. Uh, can't remember my second. Oh, Iran, who are in England's group, and Spain. So I've got an outside chance of possibly coming yeah. third but I don't hold out hopes for winning it. My eldest, his best one is Argentina. So today he's been okay. watching a program on Leo Messi and getting excited. Yeah. My youngest well, is a, follows fr- half French, follows the French team. He didn't get France. His dad did. Oh, no. So no, I think this no. was crazy, right? He had Germany. Okay. So he swapped Germany for France. I said, are you mad? In a very nice way. Germ- Wait, well, because he, he wants to support France. He wanted France. But there's money at stake here too. And he swapped Germany for France. I was like, what are you doing? You've just handed your father Germany. <laughs> and he was like, oh. but I support France. I said, yes, but Germany have a better chance of winning than France. And so he's he's now got France. Dad's got Germany. So it was kind of um, my, my, my dad got England. So it, it was spread around. I think my brother did really badly. He's got three teams. He has something like Costa Rica... Japan and probably Qatar, which they're not they're not gonna Yeah, it's rough. Yeah, it's rough, basically rough. So yeah, so we've done <laughs> the sweepstake. Just to, um and apart from that Germany France switch, no other switches were allowed. So I've I've got hopes of possibly a third place finish, but outside chances. So um no wait look, the boys are at a good age now where football is kind of their life. They love playing it, they love watching it, they know the names, they can so they're like they're super excited. Oh, well it will be fun then. Yeah. They're they're really, really excited about and I think they're probably thinking they can have a break from hearing about tennis and paddle. <laughs> and they, <Yeah. laughs> they yeah. could just talk about football. So no, we're excited. We're we're excited. The football's that they're, they're you know, they've got sticker books and card books and all sorts of things. So we're just getting, yeah, we're just getting excited about the football. So I can't promise that on the next pod I won't be talking about the football a little bit. I apologise. It'd be nice to have a major event in the uh, tennis off-season. doesn't happen very often. Yeah, that's true. It is weird that the Football World Cup is happening. It's so weird. It's so weird. <laughs> I can't. That's very weird. Uh, but at the same time, we're going to have wall-to-wall football. For those who hate football, thinking you've got to be kidding me. But it's really exciting. And, and time difference-wise, it's good times of the day. I think in the UK, anyway, it's like 3 p.m., 7 p.m. or something. So, um, yeah. So I don't I- know. I think I think I think England's first match isn't it like 1 p.m. on a Monday? It's not. It's, it's not brilliant timing. <laughs> see, no. See again. This is coming back to something you and I were talking about. Is if we're not working, we have the day off. So for us, it's perfect. Oh, yeah, for, I'm off on that day. Exactly, I'll, I'll see? Be great. I can But I know <laughs> yeah, what you mean. For most people. For the majority of the population. <laughs> it's not ideal. It's not ideal. No, sorry. I, I, and, and, the, and the boys should be in school anyway. So, yeah, okay. Not ideal timings unless you are retired or you have a job where you cannot work for the next 
eight weeks or something. So, yeah, I apologise in advance. There'll be a little bit of... I think the next pod, just brace yourself, because there's going to be football chat and there is going to be Christmas chat. So... Yeah, and American listeners that we have plenty yeah. of, USA are in our group, so you know it's all relevant. Yeah, it's all relevant. Don't need to be turned off. Don't need to be turned off by the football no. And, chat. and I, I, it's not all going to be football chat, but there's going to be a little bit of football chat. There's going to be a little bit of Christmas chat. I know. I want to see your Christmas jumper brought out. Is it the dog? Yep, it's ready. Ready, ready to go. Okay, excellent. So next pod. I know I'm going very early. It's not a Christmas do. But I think Christmas jumpers should come out because it's okay. it's going to be a little bit... It's our official party. Are you ready? So we're going to go big. Yeah. Christmas jumpers, football chat, Christmas chat, and tennis always delivers. So there will definitely be something going on in tennis world. Well, I'll speak to you then. Look forward to it. Bye. Bye. Bye.